Uh, do you prefer to be Leonard or Lynn? Can Lynn, I? Leonard. I've been Leonard. Called I know you as I never call you Leonard. No, only Cheryl when I'm at, when she's angry. So I, I know when she's angry, she does. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Hi, and Shana Tova. You're listening to Noreen's Kitchen Cast, and I'm your host, Noreen Gillis. On today's episode, we're all a buzz about honey. Honey for the high holidays. I can't believe the high holidays are almost here. And when the high holidays come around, of course, honey is on the table. It's very customary to dip apples in honey, to have honey cake, honey cookies, different ways of having honey. I put it in my brisket. I put it in my carrots. Wherever there's an excuse to use honey, I do it because we want to make sure that we have a sweet healthy new year. I don't know how my sugar levels are going to be after eating all this honey. It says to have honey. I have honey. Israel is described in the Bible as a land that flows with milk and honey. That particular honey is the honey of biblical times and that comes from dates, also known as sealan, date honey. And it's interchangeable in recipes. I've used it in honey cake. I've used it in my meatballs. It comes out wonderfully. It's got a deep, dark, rich flavor. But on today's episode of Noreen's Kitchen Cast, we're going to hear all about honey that comes from bees. Today's guest is Len Goldberg. Len is an accountant, but he's been keeping bees for, oh, I guess about 35 years. He calls it his sting operation. We'll also be sharing two of my favorite honey recipes. One is from Len Goldberg's wife, Cheryl, who's going to share her recipe for honey garlic chicken wings. And I can attest to the fact that they're absolutely out of this world. When she makes them, you can be sure there are people who beg to be at her table. And the other recipe is for my mom's honey chiffon cake, which I grew up on. By the way, honey chiffon cake, even though it says chiffon, doesn't have to have the eggs separated. So it's kind of fake chiffon. Real chiffon cakes, you do separate the eggs, but let me clarify it. It is as close to a separated egg chiffon cake as you're going to get. Easy, easy, sweet and delicious. So here's Len, and he's going to explain to us how he first started keeping bees. Very interesting story for some, not for everyone. I was riding in the forest, horseback, and my instructor had a bee colony. And as we passed by the bee colony, I was just mesmerized by the concept of a person being able to have a hobby uh, that's uh, so rich in tradition and uh, so many things to be grateful for that we take for granted. So that started me on my beekeeping quest. Well, I've always been interested in bees because I think in maybe grade 7 or grade 8, that was my project. I had to write all about how the beehive and the colony worked and all the workers. It's really quite fascinating. So you found out about bees, but what made you decide to become a beekeeper? That's a different story altogether. Well, I couldn't just do it without education. I went to Guelph, and they have a beekeeping course. Oh, really? So I went there for one night a week for six weeks. And I tell people I got my bee calm there. <laughs> and uh, from that, bought my first colony at the bee store. Whoever knew there was such a thing as a bee store. And a bee store? Yeah, where do you buy the bees? You go I to don't the, know. Yeah. To me, I run away from them because I'm allergic. 
Billy B. Honey <laughs> was on Tycos Drive, and behind right. it was F.W. Jones selling bees and bee equipment. So uh, that was my first foray into uh, getting into this hobby. How do they store the bees? Like, do they just fly around in this bee store? or are they? In, in They're imported at that time from Italy. They come by airplane in the cargo hold. You would have had to order and pay for them in advance, and you line up and get your colonies. And how many bees would be in a colony? Many, thousands, maybe 25,000, 30,000 perhaps. Wow. And from what I remember, there's usually what, only one queen bee? Or there only are many? One. Or th only one. Only one per yeah. hive? One queen bee. As long as the queen is healthy, there's only one. If the queen gets sick, the worker bees make another queen bee. And the first one out kills the others. So it's uh, not very democratic, but uh, the survival of the fittest. It's, it's quite a, a miraculous chain of events that has the bee colony functioning as well as it does. It is really a gift from God. We're all about honey on this episode of Noreen's Kitchen Cast, including our first sponsor. Fruit of the Land Culinary Market specializes in selling unique, all-natural and kosher products, including their wonderful, award-winning avocado blossom honey, which I love because it reminds me of the buckwheat honey I grew up on when I was a little girl. It's like amber gold. So I'm at the newly reopened Fruit of the Land at Promenade Mall in Thornhill, Ontario, Canada, and I'm with co-owner Stacy Kurtz, who is as sweet as can be, just like their honey and their new date honey, which she's going to tell you all about. Right, Stacy? Thank you, Noreen, so much. I'm so glad that you're here. This is our newest product from Israel. It's called Natural Ceylon. It's a date syrup made of 100% dates, made by the same company that made the award-winning honey, and Harod Apiary in Israel. And the fabulous thing is you can use the 100% the date Ceylon just like you would use honey. And we have a fabulous recipe right from Second Helpings Cookbook using the date Ceylon honey instead of the avocado blossom honey. And it is a perfect substitute. It's extremely healthy and great for the high holidays. I know. And you can, if you don't want to use all date honey, you can use a combination of date honey. And even with the avocado blossom honey, it's like a fabulous combination. And if you have some leftover, have a cup of tea while you're busy making your honey cake, <laughs> which is what I'm going to do right now because I've got some wonderful ginger peach tea with honey. Anyways, for more information about all the Fruit of the Land culinary market locations and about their shipping right across North America, you don't have to come to Toronto. The products will come to you. Head to their website, fruitoftheland.com. That's Fruit of the Land Culinary Market. It's where I like to shop. And now, back to my conversation with Len Goldberg, talking about the business, or the business, I guess, of bees. So how many hives do you have? Does it vary from year to year? It's a budget question. Okay. If they live over the winter, I'll buy another one. If they don't, then... Uh then it's just uh, too much of a sacrifice. You're an accountant. How efficient is it to, to buy bees? For example, how much would bees cost? How are they sold? You buy 
you go to the uh, B store and you order in January for a delivery. In January. In the, for a delivery in May, and a nuke. A nuke is considered to be four frames of brood, baby bees or larvae, a laying queen. That whole contraption will cost two hundred dollars. Two hundred. If you want it earlier, it'll cost you more. Why? Because you'll have more production. So they raise them, they time it, so uh, not everybody's ready to go out in April to do their thing. So the earlier you want them, the more it's going to cost you. If you get your bees in late June, there won't be any time to have any honey. So uh, if there's any left, they won't... Uh, so you have to start your production, really. you got to be ready. Yeah, for, for early spring. Yeah. I bet you're an accountant. How do you manage to coordinate all of that? It's, it's, That's got to be tricky. It is. It usually comes at the worst time of the year in terms of uh, work-related activity. So you have to make priorities. Does it pay? There's no money in honey. Ah, uh, okay. That's, that's, a, that's a sweet answer. It's true. <laughs> How do you make sure you don't get stung? That would be my big concern. You cannot <clears throat> not be stung. It's an occupational hazard. Get so you over do it. get stung. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, of late, not so much. The bees are, are so docile, and um, they really don't care for you. They just, as long as you're not wearing perfume or flashy jewelry or things that uh, disrupt their sight, they have eyes that are faceted, multifaceted, so anything that disrupts it will throw them off. So uh, in the absence of those things, they're just busy doing what they're doing. And you told me an interesting story, which I, I remember something that your hives were destroyed. Yeah, bears like honey too. So when they came out of hibernation, the, the food was close by. I never knew there were bears where the, where the bees are. Where are your bees? They're near Aurelia. Near Aurelia, yeah, okay. In a farm, a beautiful farm with no <clears throat> corn crops, no pesticides, no insecticides. It was just the perfect place, except for the bears. Ah. Uh, uh, but the flavors of honey are different from what I understand because I have, for example, uh, right now in my tea, I have avocado honey, a raw avocado honey, which is wonderful. And I grew up on something called buckwheat honey. So I think each type of honey is different. And I, I know there's um, one cookbook author that she, every year she would go to various farmers markets and she would try different varieties of honey from different, with different floral flavors. Yeah, it depends where your hives are located. So if the predominant flower is a certain breed, then that's the kind of honey you're going to get. Clover honey, buckwheat honey. I call mine wildflower honey because there's a little bit of everything where the field oh, that's, is. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> Let's say once you start to harvest your honey, how long does it take? Well, explain the process to me because I've seen part of it, but not all of it. Well, the goal is to establish your colony in the field with a laying queen and all these bees being born. So when all the flowers are about and the bees are out harvesting pollen and nectar, by the end of the summer, you'll have a hive full of frames that are packed with honey. At that point, then you can start harvesting. So I know honeycombs. What's the difference between a comb and a frame? Same thing. The comb is in the frame. This whole beekeeping apparatus was designed in the late 1800s by a Langstroth. It's called the Langstroth Hive. And he discovered something called bee space, which is the distance between the frames. So anything bigger, the bees will seal it up. Anything smaller, they can't work. 
and this was just done with keen observation over many years. And the fact that this uh, style of harvesting has existed for so long is a tribute to the man who discovered it. Let's pause for a moment to hear from one of our sweet sponsors. United Stars Corporation Group wishes our listeners a very happy and healthy new year. Shana Tova. United Stars distributes a diverse portfolio of wines from around the world. And their delicious kosher wines include such wonderful specialties as Chateau Chizé Cabernet Sauvignon. It pairs perfectly with my super roast brisket. Their Markland Cottage Winery Wild Berries Fruit Wines, particularly their blueberry or their strawberry wines, are wonderful. So very good. Best of all, no sulfites added. Their wines are available throughout Canada. And Toronto listeners will find their products easily at the LCBOs at Lawrence and Bathurst, Promenade, or Wilson and Dufferin. So, enjoy the taste of kosher tradition with exceptional wines from United Stars. And now, back to my conversation with Len Goldberg, all about bees and honey. How many hives did you have, do you have for this year? We're down to one. You're down to one. Yeah. And, and how many jars of honey do you anticipate you'll be lucky enough to get? I'm hoping 50. 50? Yeah. There used to be big jars when I had five colonies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, smaller jars when I had less honey. So uh, everyone's happy to get something that's little rather than nothing that's big. So uh, we kind of portion packed it that way. Everything's given away. We keep some for ourselves, but uh, distribute it uh, friends and family and rabbis and everyone. And you put a label, your own label on? Yes, we do. Which says? Here that it's harvested in Hebrew and also a warning never to feed honey to infants, which is on commercial, commercially made um, Not until they're a year old, I think. Yes. Why? Do you know why? Apparently there's some botulism spore in the honey that's always there, but uh, immature digestive system can't tolerate it. I remember as a child, my mother would get like a white cream honey, but I don't see that very often. And she used to melt it because Rosh Hashanah, of course, Jewish New Year, typical to have honey cake, sweetness for a, for a sweet new year. And she would take the honey and she would heat it and then she would put baking soda in it and it would cause some kind of chemical reaction. That was how she dissolved it. And her honey cakes were really quite amazing. I still make her honey cake. It's the best, best, the honey chiffon cake mm. from Second Helpings, please. It's like 50 years that I've been making it. And I, I, I have a friend, actually, who makes it in a honeycomb pan. And it looks like individual combs of honey. Most honey cakes are done with um, about a cup of honey. My mother used to put like a whole pound of honey in, which was about a cup and a third, cup and a half. And depending on the type of honey that she used... The honey cake was different. The best one was buckwheat honey, but the closest I've been able to come is using the avocado honey, which I really, really like. It's a it's a an unpas- unpasteurized honey. What would make a honey unpasteurized? Unpasteurized honey is not heated, and it's only heated for production purposes, so it can fill the jars faster. Oh, really? Wow. That's, uh, that's the only difference. They heat it up, production goes much faster, 
and you do it on an assembly line, you know, just pouring the honey in and moving the jars down. What's your favorite recipe made with honey? On the eating side, I'm, that's not my strong suit. I'm on the production mode, not the eating side. Oh, so, uh, so we have to go to Cheryl Goldberg, who is, right. the, who is the culinary maven when it comes to producing honey recipes. I know she does amazing uh, meatballs. She uses uh, her, particularly her chicken. There are people who say, oh, you're making your sticky wings? I will be there. They, they stand in line. Yes. Granulated garlic. And so we went right to the source. In convection. Hi, my name is Cheryl Goldberg, and we're in our kitchen in our house in Thornhill. It doesn't have to be 45 minutes. It can be just till they're brown. This recipe comes from the Nitivot Gatherings cookbook, and it's for the honey garlic wings, and I've modified it for my usage. I make about... Four pounds of chicken wings, cleaned. I add, instead of garlic powder, which this recipe calls for, I add granulated garlic. I use more honey than it calls for, and I use more garlic than it calls for. The recipe is two to three pounds of chicken wings, pepper to taste, which I do not use, garlic powder to taste, and I use the granulated garlic, The sauce is a half a cup of honey. I use about three quarters of a cup of honey because I use more chicken wings than it calls for. But I still use a quarter of a cup soy sauce, a half a cup of ketchup, a quarter plus a little bit of brown sugar. And it calls for one to two cloves of garlic, but I use about three to four. And I also put in sesame seeds into the sauce as well. I put I I do the what it says in the book. I spread the wings in a roasting pan and I season them with the gar- with granulated garlic. I put them in the oven. I bake them for about forty five minutes covered. Then I take out the juice from all that because it's on a either a parchment or a a pan, whichever I lay them on, and then I make my sauce with a whisk. And then I just pour it over, and I bake the wings again until they're really, really crispy at 400 degrees. But it, it's very, very good. And if you add more garlic, and you add more honey, and you add the sesame seeds, it just comes out so sticky and good. Thanks so much, Cheryl. We've shared her recipe for her honey garlic chicken wings on the Noreen's Kitchen Cast Facebook page. So it's there for your reading and an eating pleasure. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned my mom's wonderful honey chiffon cake. You can either make it in a 10-inch tube pan, which has little feet, and then when you turn it over, the cake doesn't touch the counter as it's cooling. I've also done it in a bunt pan. I've made smaller loaves, either in disposable loaf pans that I can give away as gifts. And you can also make it believe it or not, there's a pan called a honeycomb pan, and it's shaped like the shape of a honeycomb, all little compartments, and you can fill it full or small. Make sure, though, if you're using the honeycomb pan, to spray it with something like Baker's Joy, which has flour in the release coating. Otherwise, it sticks to the pan, and then it's quite difficult to get out. And honey cakes make a wonderful gift for the holidays, so if you're going you need a hostess gift, nothing better than making it yourself. 
If you're looking for my mom's honey chiffon cake recipe, you'll find it in Second Helpings, please, or you can find the recipe on Noreen's Kitchen Cast on Facebook. You can find Noreen's Kitchen Cast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, and we really appreciate it if you leave a review. The Noreen's Kitchen Cast team is comprised of Braden Garrett, who writes our amazing music, producer Rochelle Solomon, Maisie, my dog, who's our official taster, she loves honey garlic meatballs, and I'm Noreen Gillis. Happy cooking, happy eating, and Shana Tova. I hope your honey cakes reach new heights and that you have a delicious, happy, and healthy Oh, shut up, Maisie.